So it's good to be back this morning. Try to get everything in this morning. And um, like I said before, I like conferences like this, faith-based conferences, because I'm able to talk about my friend. Uh, a little story that I heard is um, a man fell into a hole, and uh, he couldn't get out of the hole. And there was a man that walked by, saw him in the hole. He said, can you help me? Can you help me? And he goes, oh, my gosh, you really have to pray, you know. And the guy said, but I need to get out this hole. And he goes, well, you probably, you just really need to pray. And he kept going. And uh, then another guy came by, and uh, he said, help me. Can you help me get out of this hole? He said, uh, you know what? You probably should just meditate. You probably should meditate. And he goes, I need to get out of the hole. And, and the guy keeps going. And then another guy comes by, and he said, hey, it was, it was somebody that he knew. So uh, the guy said, can you help me? I'm stuck in this hole. So the guy jumps in the hole with him. And he goes, what are you doing? I want to get out of the hole. He goes, I've been in this hole before, and I know the way out. That's what Jesus does. He gets in with us wherever we are because he's our friend that stick it closer than the brother. And he gets in our stuff with us because he knows the way out. When you invite Jesus into whatever hole you're in, he knows how to get you out, okay? God bless you. Um, so today we're going to talk about suicide and the reason suicide really has to come into play, has to come into play in a uh, conference like this is because um, not everyone that's depressed completes suicide. But 99% of the people who complete suicide was depressed. So we have to deal with it. All right. Statistically, what we find is in 2017, which is the last time that they took st statistics, um, 47,173 people died by suicide in the United States. 47,000 people. Um, it's the 10th leading uh, cause of death in the United States. Um, on an average, on an average, 129 people die a day. Now, if 129 people died every day from something else, it would be on the news. And there's a lot of reasons why it's not, but it would be on the news. If, if a plane went down every day with 129 people on it, uh, it would be on the news. Uh, but, but, but this doesn't get the news um, for a lot of reasons, the contagion aspect of suicide is an issue, but it's a problem is what I'm saying to you. And the reason that um, faith-based is very critical, uh, has a very critical component when we start talking about suicide is because the countries that have the highest suicide rates are the countries whose uh, religious doctrine says to them that you have a choice in life and um, especially those people who believe in reincarnation. So their option for suicide becomes immediate. Uh, it's, it's like, I'll go out as whoever I am, I'll come back as somebody else. So suicide becomes a, a real option uh, in some of those countries. And so a faith base really plays a part because in our country, uh, faith is a protective factor for many people uh, when they are going through suicide. Um, just a couple questions real quick. Um, can you tell me, anybody, can you tell me um, what, which gender completes suicide the most? Yes, males. And why is that? <laughs> anybody know why? So probably uh, more than 75% more than of the deaths by suicide are men who use firearms. So it's the level of lethality that is used by men, right? So men use guns. And um, now it's not because women, when they attempt suicide, it's not that they don't want to die at the time or they're not trying to complete. But <clears throat> with women, usually it's an overdose and there's a window. There's this window of time many, in, in many cases where they're able to get them to the hospital. And in some cases, when you talk about hanging, you talk about weight. 
And so there's, there's this period of time. So they have, there's a window with women many times where they're found prior to uh, completion. So, uh, so they attempt, but not complete. They attempt more, women attempt more, but men complete more, okay? Um, another question. Um, um, what age group? What age group is the highest number of suicides? Uh, it is, uh, well, suicide is the first, first uh, is the leading cause of death in that age group, but that actually is not the age group that die most by suicide. Anybody? Seniors do. Yeah. Seniors, yeah. Um, and so keep, keep, keep an eye on your parents the elderly people in your life who, especially um, as they begin to lose their independence and they start to have um, diseases that are uh, fatal, critical type diseases where they feel that their life is over. <clears throat> and it's easier for them because what typically happens is they stockpile medication uh, and then uh, they take that medication and uh, it doesn't take much uh, for, for, for that to happen, okay? Just a couple questions, just trying to see where you are. Um, so today, uh, we are going to talk about QPR. And um, QPR is, is um, CPR for mental health, right? So uh, much of the world is familiar with CPR. It's short for uh, cardiopulmonary uh, cardio resuscitation and emergency medical intervention created in 1957. Similarly, QPR is an emergency mental health intervention for suicidal persons. It was created around 1995 uh, by a man named uh, Paul Cornett. If you want to know more information on it, there's a website um, uh, called QPR Institute, and you can go out there and find all the information out about it's an evidence-based uh, tool uh, for suicide intervention. Since then, there has been several that has uh, come come to light that is uh, has been evidence-based mental health first aid for adults and for children assist training is big uh, so there's other trainings uh, this one has been around quite a while uh, so QPR is something that has been used and and validated uh, the QPR mission is to reduce suicidal behaviors and save lives uh, by providing innovative practical and proven suicide prevention training the signs of, uh, of crisis are all around us. We believe that uh, quality education empowers all people, regardless of their background, to make a positive difference in the life of someone they know. QPR gatekeeper training for suicide prevention is listed in the National Registry of Evidence-Based Practices and Policies. Um, so uh, my certification is QPR Certified Instructor. Anytime I do a seminar, those people that are a part of that seminar come out of that seminar as what they call gatekeepers. So you should have the tools that you need to, um, to be able to see suicide ideation and behavior once you uh, come out of this class, okay? Uh, a gatekeeper, according to the Surgeon General's National Strategy for Suicide Prevention, a gatekeeper is someone in a position to recognize a crisis and the warning signs that someone may be contemplating suicide. Gatekeepers can be anyone, but include parents, friends, neighbors, teachers, ministers, doctors, nurses, office supervisors, squad leaders, foremen, police officers, advisors, firefighters, and many others, including Faith and Mental Health Conference 2019 in, amen, every one of you, you're able uh, to help someone, okay? So let's get started. <coughs> Clicker. So it's off, it's on. How's that? Oh, I, w I went back too far? What did I do? Okay, then. Okay, great. So should I sing while I wait? No, you, you probably don't want that. You don't. <laughs> you, I, I missed my Dove Award. That's, that's okay. 
Father, don't want to. But I really, uh, I really appreciate God for being here. It's been really a blessing. All right, QPR, ask a question, save a life. Question, persuade, and refer. QPR, first of all, you need to know that QPR is not. Somebody say it is not. <laughs> right? You, wanna, you don't want to leave here telling somebody that you are a professional counselor. All right? So QPR is not intended to be a form of, of counseling or treatment. QPR is intended to offer hope through positive action. And a lot of times people have hesitation about getting involved in a situation, a crisis situation, is because they just don't know what to do. And what QPR attempts to do is uh, give you the information that you need to, to uh, intervene in a crisis situation. Um, a lot of times people have uh, concerns about whether or not if you intervene in a situation and a person um, ends up completing, what does that do to you? And there's some, there's some legalities around that, but as, a, as a, uh, I think the Samaritan law says, if you in good faith attempt to help someone, that there's no liability on you uh, in this case if you try and help someone that's in, uh, in crisis when it comes to suicide. And so if you have the tools, you need to use the tool to try and intervene. You never know what how, how you intervene will make a difference in somebody's life. Um, I am, I think I said yesterday, I am a peddler of hope. Amen, not dope, but hope. And, um, and so that's what I peddle. I mean, I sell that everywhere I go the best that I can because that is what people are needing uh, in the time of distress is hope. Um, I'm reminded of a story of a guy who he had, um, uh, he had uh, fallen into some hard times and, and he was uh, depressed and came off of his medication and uh, he was suicidal and he was actually planning his, uh, his suicide. Um, by the way, there are places who will help you plan your suicide. Unfortunately, he was visiting a website that instructed him on how to hold the gun correctly so that the kickback would not cause him um, uh, to miss or to misfire. Uh, and he was studying that like over time. And he was somewhat of a loner and he would stay after work, you know, really just biding his time. And he had a boss who was married and who would watch, who watched him staying nights. And he came over, he would come over in the evenings and just talk to him and say, you know, and just really the boss did, wasn't aware, but he would just talk to him about uh, his life, the boss would. And, and at that time, I think it was like a, the Atari, anybody remember the Atari game? Right, so he wanted an Atari, and his wife wouldn't let him get an Atari, and so he complained to this guy, this guy who's contemplating taking his life. He's complaining to this guy how his wife won't let him get an Atari, and this went on for about two or three weeks to the point that this gentleman um, gained somewhat of an affection for this boss. He ended up taking the gun that he was going to use to take his life, pawned the gun, took the money, and brought it to his boss. Just the kindness of another person. He had no idea. That the boss had no idea. He just spent time. Sometimes what people are needing is the power of presence. Your presence, right? Uh, we, we think we have to do so much, but some people just need you to listen. Um, they just need you not to give answers because sometimes we have all the answers, right? We have all the answers, and if we don't have all the answers, then when they tell you their situation, you gotta, you ever seen that person, right? Be, you'd be like, well, I got a cat and a dog, and they'd be like, oh, I got four cats and three dogs and, and a horse. You know, every story has to be better. You know, y'all don't know none of them people. They all, all them live in St. Louis, I guess, because, you know, it's just this competitive thing. But sometimes people, just need you to hear. And they need you to hear uh, with a, a type of ear that will be empathetic about where they are. That doesn't mean that it's, that it's okay where they are. It just means they want you to feel where they are. And what you have to know is one person's situation is their reality. It may not be yours, but it's theirs. And if it's hurting them, you have to meet them where they are. 
right? Um, I, I, I deal with a lot of young people, and there was a young lady, unfortunately, who um, had broken up with her, her boyfriend, and uh, she was devastated by that. But she was part of a choir, and so she, um, so she decided that um, once um, she left school that she was just not going to, you know, <clears throat> handle things anymore. But she knew she had to do this concert, so she didn't have pantyhose, and so she asked one of the, one of the uh, young men at the school to drive her to Walgreens to get the pantyhose. Well, they were fooling around in the car like young people do, and um, she kept saying, you guys, hurry up, hurry up. I have to go to the restroom, and, and, um, but they kept playing around, and she lost her bladder in the car. Now, she goes into Walgreens, and instead of buying the um, pantyhose, she bought a 100-tablet bottle of Tylenol and a soda, went in the bathroom and took all 100 tablets, got back in the car. By the time they got to the school, she collapsed on the steps. They got her to the hospital <coughs> in time. When she was able to talk, her mom called me. I went out to the hospital. Now, I wanted to snatch her in her collar and say, for real, he ain't even that cute. And really, in about a couple years, that's not going to even be your type. Now, that's what I wanted to say, that he ain't even worth it. He ain't even got a car. You know what I'm saying? I just really wanted to go there. That's what I wanted. <laughs> you see, that's what I wanted to say. But her reality was this. She said to me that having lost her boyfriend that day, she didn't feel that she had any value, first of all. And then to have lost her bladder in the car with these other young men, that she was going to be ridiculed and probably not really have any kind of a socialite from that point on. In her tunnel vision, that's all she saw because that was all her life. For her, high school was her life. That's it. And so what we try to do is to tell young people, you know, you know we try to say what we know now. They have to learn that. But we have to meet them where they are, okay? Meet them where they are. So it's very important that, <clears throat> that we do that. Um, suicide myths and facts. Myth number one, no one can stop a suicide. It is inevitable. That is not true. If people in crisis get the help that they need, they will probably never be suicidal again. Confronting a person about suicide will only make them angry and increase the risk. That is not true. That is not true. Asking someone directly about suicidal intent lowers anxiety and opens up communication and lowers the risk of an impulsive act. Myth, only experts can prevent suicide. That's a myth. The fact is suicide prevention is everybody's business, and anyone can help prevent the tragedy of suicide. More myths and facts. Uh, suicidal people keep their plans to themselves. Fact. Most suicidal people communicate their intent sometime during the week preceding their attempt, right? And when you understand that, you'll listen for things that you can pick up. Uh, myth, those who talk about suicide don't do it. That is not true. We always say people are trying to get attention. That is not the case. Uh, you know, and there are some people, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, there are some people who, you know, will use that. But uh, it's worth your time to investigate when someone has that conversation with you. It is, it is worth their life. What you are hanging in the balance based on your opinion is somebody's life. So it's better to ask them where they are rather than to brush it off as just another attempt to get attention, okay? Uh, myth, once a person decides to complete suicide, there is nothing anyone can do to stop them. Fact is, suicide is the most preventable kind of death and almost any positive action may save a life. How can I help? You can help by asking the question. And this is where we really have so much problem is being able to ask the question. So hopefully uh, this class will help us to be able to ask the question. And, and it does not plant the idea in the mind of the person. If a person is suicidal, then it, it welcomes, it, it is a, it's an open door to have a conversation about something they were afraid to have a conversation about. And so ask the question. And if they're not, then you go, okay, I just check it, just check it. I love you. Don't go off. Hold up. Don't hit me. Just ask him. But if, if they're there, then that's an opportunity for them uh, to have a conversation, okay? Uh, QPR, 
uh, suicide clues and warning signs, the more clues and signs observed, uh, the greater the risk. Take all signs, what? Seriously. Take it seriously. You're talking about somebody's life. Take it seriously. And I think I shared this on yesterday. For those that were not here, the reason I am so passionate about this area is because I lost my brother to suicide. And um, hindsight is always 2020. When I look at my brother's life and how he lived his life, I realize I see all the signs that my brother lived a life of depression. Um, and when he called me, because he was my only brother, there were three, three sisters and my brother being the baby, he was, he was pretty much coddled by my mom. So I felt like it was my role to help him be a man. So he's married with children, and he calls me, and he tells me that he's having trouble. Well, my response to him as his big sister was, man up, handle your house, handle your business. That's what you're supposed to do. You have a wife. Two months later, when he called and said he didn't want to live anymore, I wasn't sure whether that was what he really meant or not. But unfortunately, when he called my house and said he didn't want to live anymore, and 15 minutes later, my mom called and said he just called me. We both were concerned, and he didn't live in St. Louis. He lived in Detroit at the time. Um, so we called his number back. We didn't get an answer. Uh, we called the Detroit Police Department to go to his house. And unfortunately, the next call that we got, that my brother had taken a shotgun and uh, completed suicide with intra or gunshot wound. Now today, when I look at people, I don't see them. If I had one more chance, just one more chance to say to my brother, what would have helped him out of that situation? That's what I say to people. I love them like I loved my brother. This is my passion. This is just not what I do. It's my passion. It causes me to heal. What I know about God is that my brother, unfortunately, my family has a problem with this. My brother was a seed in my life for the many people that the Lord has allowed me to touch as the years have gone on with this ministry. There have been countless number of numbers of people that God has allowed me to touch that have not taken their lives. Now, we all have a time to die. I can say this in the faith conference. We all have a time to die, and we have a, an appointment. We don't know what that appointment looks like. We don't know when that's going to be. My brother had one. I think anybody that goes on before us, how they died becomes something um, crucial to us. What do we do with how they died? Because he could have just as well laid down and go to sleep and didn't wake up if that was his time. But he died by suicide, and what that has done is propelled me into a place that I never thought I would ever be. Uh, again, this is my passion. I believe uh, his death was my seed, and uh, my misery became my ministry. So it is what I do, okay? Um, and it's important because people want to know that you care, right? Uh, what's the saying goes? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We good at telling people how many degrees we got before we tell them how much they matter to us. The degrees come later, right? The person is the one that's uh, of concern, okay? Uh, here are some direct verbal cues that you might find people saying in conversation. And, and, and let me say this. <clears throat> um, when you are talking to people, and I know therapists know this, and those of you who are not therapists, let me give you a therapist tip. Listen to people, right? Uh, I see people playing uh, double dutch. Anybody, any ladies in here ever played double dutch? So, like, in double dutch, right, you have to get ready to jump in, right? My friends used to give me a hard time. They was like, come on, Donna, you digging potatoes. I'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. That's how we are in some conversations. We waiting to jump in. <sighs> Wusa, breathe. Let them talk. In their talking, I promise you, you'll hear something. Listen with your ears and with your heart, right? Because they'll say something. Here are some direct verbal clues. I've decided to kill myself. 
Rarely do you hear that, hear that. Even my brother's call, that's not what he said. He said, I'm tired of living. His, his words were, I'm tired of living. I don't want to do this anymore. I wish I were dead. I'm going to commit suicide. And if you hear, if you hear me talk, I rarely say commit. And uh, just trying to change the language around this. I say complete and not commit because commit puts a judgmental spin on it. Uh, I remember my mom being so devastated when my brother passed. Like I said, he died from an intra or gunshot wound, so they had to reconstruct his face. So he didn't look like himself, and my mom couldn't handle all of that. But when he was born, he was born with six fingers. And so they tied off, I don't know what they do now, but then they tied off the sixth finger so that there's no blood circulation, and then in time it just kind of falls off. But what he had was a nodule on each hand as he grew up. My mom couldn't look at him, but what, he asked, what she asked uh, the funeral director is, can I see his hands? Uh, and uh, once she felt the nodules on his hands, she was convinced that was her son. <coughs> um, so she was very devastated by that. Um, and she, uh, she handled her depression in a different way, uh, but certainly she was depressed after uh, losing her son. And so she missed church for a while. And she got a phone call one day from a lady who said, I'm calling Juanita to check on you. And she said, I'm just telling you, calling to tell you, you may as well come on back to church because Jeffrey is in hell anyway. I'm not trying to change anybody's beliefs. I'm not trying to change your doctrine. But there's a time and a way to say anything. My mom has not been right in regards to church since then. You have to be very, very careful about how you deal with the grief of someone uh, who's in the throes. Death can, is a crossroad, and it can lead people in two directions, one or the other. All right? Uh, I'm going to end it all. If such and such doesn't happen... Uh, I'll kill myself. These are verbal clues, direct verbal clues. I'm tired of life. I just can't go on. My family would be better off without me. This is why uh, we see elderly people. They feel like they are a burden to their families, and um, they feel like um, they've lost their independence. They can't do anything for them. My mom right now is uh, <coughs> for, uh, stage four colon cancer, and as I watch what the chemo does to her body, uh, worse than that, what I watch what her sickness has done to her mind because she was someone that was very independent so she had to come live with me now she's not as mobile and i watch her and i hear her in the night so for anybody in the audience that is a caregiver this has nothing to do with this presentation but my heart now for caregivers for people who are ill is is heavy because i never knew you know people would tell me well my mom is sick and she's living with me and i go oh yeah i'll pray for you i didn't know i i, I didn't know Right, I didn't know because now I have to make decisions for her life. That's very critical. I, I have to sleep light to make sure that she gets through the night. Uh, she's diabetic, and sometimes her Dexcom monitor goes off. She doesn't even hear it. Her sugar's at 47, and your glucose level is at 47, and your sleep, you can slip right into a coma. So I got to wake her up and make sure she's drinking something sweet, stuff a, a soda down her throat or something. I'm, I'm, I'm barely sleeping, you know, I have to make sure she has provision, but more than what I have to do, I hear her at night, her tears, I hear her whining, that's, that's heartbreaking, that's heartbreaking, um, take care of your parents as much as you can, um, be there for them, encourage them that they're not a burden, encourage them this is what you want to do, I do this because I love you. Uh, and if certainly if you're in church, certainly that's what God expects out of us is to honor our parents. And so it's very important that our parents don't feel like they are a burden to us uh, because then life becomes uh, not worth it. OK, who cares if I'm dead anyway? I just want out. I want to be around much. Lo I, I won't be around much longer. Pretty soon you won't have to worry about me. All right. Here's some behavioral cl clues. Any previous suicide attempt. So when you know someone that has attempted suicide in the past and they've shared that with you and then they have a life situation to, to come upon them, 
check on them. Check on them. I have, a, I have a friend every once in a while. He'll post on Facebook, check on your strong friends. Because the ones that look like they're strong, them are the ones really need to. You know, the ones that handle everybody else's stuff. You know, they're always there for everybody else, you know, but nobody's there for them. Check on your strong friends, okay? Acquiring guns or stockpiling pills. You want to be concerned about a person that does that. Co-occurring depression, moodiness, and hopelessness. Putting personal affairs in order. You know, giving away stuff that you know were their prized possessions and, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. That's important. I know we do living wills and all those kinds of things early because that's, that's the wise thing to do for business. But this is something else. Putting your personal affairs in order. Giving away prized possessions. Sudden interest or disinterest in religion. Uh, drug or alcohol abuse or a relapse after a period of recovery. Unexplained anger, aggression, and irritability. These are all behavioral clues. Um, now we'll look at situational clues. Situational clues are being fired or being expelled from school, a recent unwanted move, loss of any major relationship, death of a spouse, child, or best friend, especially if by suicide, diagnosis of a serious or terminal illness, sudden unexpected loss of freedom, fear of punishment, anticipated loss of financial security, loss of a cherished therapist, counselor, or teacher, fear of becoming a burden to others. These are all situational clues, and all of you know people who are close to you that have had life situations happen to them. Just put yourself in the place of some of the people that are in your life that have lost a job, lost a wife, and lost a house, lost a car, and then you don't call them. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's when my friendship matters, right? Because really, we can... I don't know, what was the name of that Thai place we went to yesterday? I, I don't know what it was, but I can go there by myself. I don't, Thai kitchen. Boy, that sweet and sour chicken was, I come back to California just to get it. So, y'all see I like eating. So, but, 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 but I can go there by myself. I don't need friends for that. I don't need friends to go shopping. I do pretty good at Amazon, right? I do that. I don't need friends for that. What I need friends for is when I need encouragement, when I need someone to hear me, when I need to talk. I will know that you are my friend when life hits me and you disappear. At that point, you get checked off because I know you're not my friend. I need you when I'm in trouble. Your friends need you at the worst times in their life. Now, sometimes it's their own doing. Let them get through it. And then when they get through it, then snatch them in the collar. Girl, you was tripping. <laughs> really, really? It wasn't even worth all that. But when, while they're in it, they need you there to help, all right? Take them through. And so they, they need um, someone to step through with them. Uh, tips for asking the suicide question. If in doubt, don't wait. Ask, <clears throat> don't wait, ask the question. If the person is reluctant, be persistent. Talk to the person alone in a private setting. Alone in a private setting. Don't, it's important because this is so sensitive. This is not something um, that you can communicate to a person when there's a lot of people around, you know, because certainly Already, the stigmatization that's associated with where they are is a problem anyway. Uh, but even at the same time, the reason why it's important that everybody get trained in this is because who will hear you are people who are your friends already. Right? It's hard for strangers. But if you already know that I care about you, in your most difficult times when I come, you're not going to push me away. But if you haven't, you, you know, you haven't said hello to me, you haven't checked on me, you haven't called me, then all of a sudden you're concerned about my situation. No. But the people that are close to us, those are the ones that will probably open up when you are willing to open up. I think uh, a lot of times because we don't know what to do. I have a ministry for young people, and it's um, W-A-S-S-U-P. What's up? It's called What's Up. And it's, it's working against the seduction of suicide by unveiling purpose. 
Uh, it's a ministry for, for young people. And, the, and the, I came up with that is because many times what young people do is they walk past each other and they say, what's up? And then they keep going. But what if that person needed to talk? So what we do is I train young people to stop their friends and not just what's up, not just say what's up. Really, what's up? What's going on? Right. And so you want to start and, and, and it becomes really for it's a ministry. It's a, a church ministry. So it really becomes an opportunity to witness when people are in high school. You know, you can witness to your to, to your friends in high school. And, and, and so I give them tools to do that uh, because purpose is purpose really matters when you when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. Um, tips for asking the suicide question. If in doubt, don't wait. Ask the question. If the person is reluctant, be persistent. Talk to the person alone in private setting. Allow the person to talk freely. Give yourself plenty of time. Have your resources handy, and that's in your books, in your um, QPR books. Uh, there is a, a, a perforated uh, card on the inside back flap, and it has a cheat sheet. It's a wallet card that you can carry with you. Okay, you carry that with you so that you have on hand what you need. All right. Uh, have your resources handy, QPR card, phone numbers, counselors names and any other information that might help, especially when you're dealing with if you have young people that you deal with. You want to have online stuff because they have a tendency. There's online chats, there's suicide intervention chat lines, uh, there's uh, therapy lines that you can give young people. Um, that d I, d I don't recommend handing people off just to online things, but you can give them, them their, that information to start, and then you can follow up with them to see if they need additional information. Remember, how you ask the question is less important than that you ask the question, right? You have to ask the question where they are, all right? Let's talk about the question. Here's a less, here's a example of a less direct approach. Have you been unhappy lately? Have you been very unhappy lately? Have you been so very unhappy lately that you've been thinking about ending your life? That's about as direct as you can get. But however you feel comfortable, then do that. Do you ever wish you could go to sleep and never wake up? All right, so those are the questions that you want to ask. Um, Still more direct questions. Uh, you know when people are upset as you seem to be, they sometimes wish they were dead. I'm wondering if you're feeling that way too. You look pretty miserable. Now, that's QPR terminology. I don't know if I tell a person they look miserable. <laughs> like I don't, that's, I'm going to follow the module. But, 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 but I don't know if I tell a person... I, yeah, I wouldn't tell a person they look miserable. I probably uh, would say that I noticed, I do notice that something is not right. So I wonder if you're thinking about suicide, all right? Are you thinking about killing yourself? Note, if you cannot ask, if you cannot ask the question, find somebody that can. Especially if you're pretty convinced that that is where the person is. Find somebody that's willing to ask that question. A lot of times people just don't want to deal with it, all right? Uh, here is the P in QPR. Uh, the P in QPR it, uh, is persuade. Uh, okay. Persuade, how to persuade someone to stay alive. And that doesn't even sound right. But because, like I said before, it's really not about wanting to live or, or wanting to die. It's really about wanting to be out of pain. Right? And so, but your job is to give them what they cannot see because the blinders are on, right? They don't see. There's, there's tunnel vision. They don't see beyond this. They don't think, and, and it's amazing. There's a, there's a private group that I'm a part of, um, uh, Suicide Survivor um, webs, uh, a group on Facebook that I'm a part of. And inevitably, everybody on there says, how many people loved this person? how much effect that they had. Like I said, when I think about my brother, I mean, this dude was like, yeah, he was probably, probably this Mike. This was his skin tone. But he had these bright white teeth. So he was always smiling, right? And he could light up the, he could light up the room. You wouldn't look at him and think there was anything wrong. 
you wouldn't think anything wrong. But, but, but underneath, we have to be willing to become pain partners with people. I think what has happened is that we've gotten so comfortable with me and my three that we don't spend enough time trying to see somebody else and where they are. And I am under, I am convinced that when we become unselfish about where we are and help other people, something happens in my situation, right? And so it's important that we can feel where another person is. And even if, even if we can't actually feel it, at least be willing to come to the place. Jesus said it. He said, I've been tempted. He said, everything you've gone, gone through, I felt it, right? He said, you have a high priest that have not, have not been touched with the feelings of thine infirmities, right? It's a double negative there in that scripture text. And sympatheo, the, uh, have not been touched. The touch there is sympatheo, which is sympathy, right? And so what he's saying to, to us is that I have sympathy for where you are, and I want to bring you out of that place. And if I'm going to be like Jesus, then I've got to have sympathy for where people are. I have to be touched with their feelings and what they're going through um, and, and, and have enough desire to see them live, right? Because that's what you want to do, persuade them to stay alive. Listen to the problem and give them your full attention. Remember, suicide is not the problem, only the solution to a perceived insoluble problem. Do not rush to judgment. Offer hope in any form, any form. Encourage them. Wait till tomorrow. Um, studies have shown many times if you can get a person through the 12-hour period where they're actually contemplating that on that other side that they will actually have another mindset. And if you're in their ear, even more so because you help them see what they can't see in the darkness because they're in a dark place, but you help them see that you become the light in the situation so that they can see that they have value. Tell them how much other people love them. These are people close to you. Tell them how much value they have. Tell them how beautiful they are. Whatever we need to do to encourage anything positive that we need to do to help a person see beyond what they're seeing. P, still for persuade. Uh, then ask, will you go with me to get help? Will you let me help you get help? Will you promise me not to kill yourself until we found some help? Your willingness to listen and to her. And this, this module <coughs> is very old module. And what they used to have is a contract, that you sign a contract with the individual that you're counseling with. And you sign a contract and say, if you start feeling this way, you will call me. And they, they sign that. Now, you can do that, but you can do it verbally. Say, listen, when you start feeling like this, can you call me? Right. Many times uh, there are people who are reluctant to go see a therapist. Why not take part of your day to say, here, I know a therapist. Can I take you? Right. Fine. Do your homework in your area where there are therapists who are uh, who take certain insurances, uh, some that's on sliding scale. Know that information so that you can point people to a therapist and they can get help immediately, right? Uh, and then say, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you to the therapist. I'll help walk you through. And then when they go to the therapist, don't just drop them at that point. And again, what I want to really reiterate, though, is if this is something you cannot do, don't start the process. When a person is already feeling devalued, worthless, you step in and say you're going to help, and then you disappear, you don't help the situation. If you can't commit to that time, that's why for pastors, uh, because this is a faith-based conference, I want to say for pastors, they need all of you who are sitting in their congregations, they need you to say, I will be the one. If there's somebody that needs help, I will be the one. Because the pastor can't, the pastor can't like go to doctor's appointments with folk. You know, he's trying to hear from God, right? So, you know, he's not, he needs, he needs us, right? Everybody's gift in the body of Christ, right? Uh, 
makes a difference. And so when you avail yourself and say, hey, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. Uh, I'll follow up on them. Um, you know, I'll go to their, their appointments with him. Then it becomes a real blessing. Not only does that show them a type of love they may have not ever felt in their life, but it takes the burden out of, off of them. Because many times what you find, and, and, and this is, <clears throat> okay, so let me step away from this. This is a commercial too. So I do commercials, glory to God. Maybe I should be in PR. So, so, so my desire is to have suicide advocates. So anybody that prays, pray for me because I'd like to present that to an emergency room. Because here's my problem. When people come through emergency room after having had a suicide uh, attempt, many times they are released with a piece of paper that says follow up with a therapist. Chances are they're not going to follow up with a therapist. They probably going to go home and re-attempt. Rape advocates have someone in the room who speaks for them because they've been through it. If we could get suicide advocates that will, when a suicide attempt patient comes in the hospital, there's a number to dial, the suicide advocate shows up, and their job is to follow this individual through the process so they can get the help. Now that, that's my dream. And I'm writing a vision, and I'm making it play. Can y'all pray <laughs> that that happens? Because once we get a successful model, it can be duplicated. We can get it in Missouri, but then the next thing you know, it'll be in, in California. It'll be in Colton. It'll be in San Bernardino, and then I can retire. <laughs> Glory to God. Your willingness to listen and to help can rekindle hope and make all the difference, okay? We're on the R. Where am I, Dr. Uh, Wilson, time-wise? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, refer. Suicidal people often believe they cannot be helped, so you may have to do more, right? You might have to do more. The best referral involves taking the person directly to someone who can help. The next best referral is getting a commitment from them to accept help then making the arrangements to get that help. And I do want to say here that there are people who just will not let you in. Do not take that personal. Do not take that person. They are stuck where they are. If, it's not, if, if they, they don't move because of your words, don't take that personal. Also, if you walk with the person and unfortunately they still end up taking their lives, do not, do not. Make sure you go to a therapist so that you can uh, get a debriefing on what, what you've done and make sure that you're not taking on that responsibility. At the end, the individual makes the decision. Your job is to help them not make the decision. But if they make it, it is not your responsibility to take that on and to carry that, right? That's why a lot of people don't get involved because what if the person does anyway. Um, you want to know, you want to go in with the positive that I'm going to make the difference in this situation. But if you don't, you don't want to take that on, okay? Uh, the third best referral is to give, refer, uh, give referral information and try to get a good faith commitment not to complete or attempt suicide. Any willingness to accept help at some time, even if in the future is a good outcome, right? You can't make a person go. Right, you don't you 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 can't make a person go get help, but you want to encourage them to get help. Remember, <clears throat> remember, since almost all efforts to persuade someone to live instead of attempt suicide will be met with agreement and relief, don't hesitate to get involved or to take the lead. For effective QPR, this is what you want to say: I want you to live, or I'm on your side. We'll get through this. Get others involved. Ask the person who else might help, family, friends, brothers, sisters, pastors, priests, rabbi, bishop, 
uh, or physician. Um, let me also say this to you, is you can never, you can never promise, especially children, young people, you can never promise them that you will not say anything about them if they tell you that they are, they have a plan to take their lives. Now, you've got to get, you've got to get somebody involved. You've got to get a parent in most cases, right? And especially, and most of you probably already know this, some of you, um, it's mandated. If somebody tells you that they're about to take their life, they're going to be a harm to themselves, you're mandated to report that, right? Um, so you want to be very careful and walk a real fine line. If they outright say it and you find out they have a plan and all of that, you, you, you probably want to, you know, you're a mandate reporter. In that, in that situation. Uh, but you also have a level of confidentiality. So you just can't go blabby. You can't put it on a billboard, okay? Right? You can, you can share it where it needs to be shared. And uh, you can bring that person in, uh, the family members. Ask the person, can you bring the family members in? But you want to be very careful on how you handle that, okay? Uh, for effective QPR, again, join a team. Offer to work with clergy, therapists, psychiatrists, or whomever is going to provide the counseling or treatment. Follow up with a visit, a phone call, or a card. And in whatever way feels comfortable to you, let the person know you care about what happens to them caring. I don't know how much time we have, and typically what I do are role plays. At least I'd like to do one. Um, is there two people who don't mind volunteering for a role play? Thank you. Thank you. I need one other person. Okay, choose your role. One person is suicidal and one person is the counselor. Okay. So I can't let her hear your situation. So stay there, stay there. He's going to come to talk to you. Not necessarily as a therapist. Let me take that back. You're just a friend. Yeah, somebody that he, that he knows. And uh, he's going to come with the situation. So go ahead. Okay, well, I just don't know what to do. I I just lost my job. And um, my wife is, gonna, is leaving me. And she's taking the children. And um, I just... I can't take it, you know what, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I failed at everything, I, I, I'm a failure, my whole life is just one big uh, loss after another, I don't know what to do. What can I do that would be helpful? Because I don't want to fix it. I need, I need a counselor. I need another. I friend. know. I need another friend. I need another friend. Come, come, come. come. I don't want to like fix it too much and appear okay. like, oh, fix this. That's do okay. This. We're learning. Okay. We're learning. So you're cool. good. Because because some people are in that position, right? So then now you've called your friend because you got this information. So your friend's gonna come to your rescue. Awesome. <laughs> What's going on, friend? tired of them seeing me fail, and um, to be honest, I, I got no confidence, and I never want anything to lose it, you know, it's, it's destroyed my life. Well, I'm here for you, and um, I'm going to be by your side, and we'll get through it together. Have you, have you been, sometimes when people are hurting, they want to go to sleep, and they never want to wake up, do you feel that way sometimes? 
I, I, can't, I can't promise you that uh, you'll get all those things back and I, I can't give those things to you, but I can, I can help you try and if it doesn't come back, I can help you to, I can help you to get somewhere to where you can be happy again. So, good, great job, right? Because typically, they're gonna make the situation look hopeless, right? What she did, what you did good, is you brought your friend in, right? Because it was, you realized, okay, I need some help on this, right? I wanna bring somebody in that could help. She comes, what she gives is light to him. She's not promising him he can, she, he can, she can fix his situation, but what she did say is, I'll be here to help you, right? I'll be here to help you, all right? Two more volunteers. Give them a hand. Two more volunteers real quick, real quick. You and Paul, okay. You cannot be, you cannot be the counselor. No. So uh, here, you'll get this role play. Um, so, uh, you want crack cookie? Hey, Carl, how's it going? It sucks. What does? Life, everything does. Well, tell me more. What do you mean by that? I'm going to kill I'm... myself. I'm going to do it. Today is the day. I'm going to do it. I'm tired of this. I can't take it any longer. Why would you kill yourself? Tell me what's going on here. I've been in rehab over and over and over again, and nothing seems to work. Nothing does. Well, why, why, why do you think it's not working? Is it, is it just nothing. you keep going back to the same old thing? Or? Nothing has ever worked. This is it. I'm done. I'm done. This crack, I'm done. It's over with. Today is the day I'm going to make it happen. I promise you. I promise you. Well, what could I do to help you change your mind about this? Nothing. You can't do anything. Nobody can do anything. Nobody. Nobody can help me. Nobody can help me. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of life. I'm sick of everybody. It's done. What about your family, bro? Your job? Your career? Nothing. Nothing. It's over. It's over. Today is the day. Today is the day. And don't ask me where. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me when. But today is it. It's done. It's over. I tell you what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with you today. And you and I, we're going to go get some help. We Great. That couldn't have been done. Right? So my whole point to him was be adamant. Don't budge. Don't budge. Right? But. Yeah, I wanted to make sure he didn't. <laughs> I told him, don't turn. Okay, yeah, don't turn. Try, because you're going to get that. But here's what he did. I'm staying right with you. I ain't going nowhere. If you're going to do it, go right ahead. I'm right here. I'll watch you. Right? Whatever it takes. Right? Uh, and and, and, and they're probably going to get mad at you. But they'll live tomorrow. And it's about a life. Okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So just because it gets hard doesn't mean you want to stop. Um, you never know. And many times, I've, I've, found, I've, I've been able to hug people out of the place that they're in. I've, I've been able, I, I, it's amazing. 
what, what touching does. It's amazing. And they break. They break him. I don't know if I just have a maternal, I got that big mama thing going on. I don't really know. <laughs> but I know that it works. And if you're a touchy person, if you're that kind of person, you, you know yourself, right? You know yourself. I mean, they'll struggle. I don't know if anybody saw recently the young man that had gone in the classroom with the gun and then uh, the coach came out. Man, I we man, I cried through that whole thing. Like, really? That's all he really needed. That's all he really needed. That's all some people really need is you to exhibit the love of God to them. I don't know you from a grain of salt, but because I know that you breathe, you breathe for a purpose. So then because you're breathing, you're my concern. All right? If we can get that, then we can help people, okay? Uh, let's wrap up here. Remember, when you apply QPR, you plant the seeds of hope. The hope, hope helps prevent suicide. All right? So that's the end of the presentation. Um, if you have any questions... Okay, no problem. God bless you.